Well, I'd invite you to turn in your Bible to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. We're on the last chapter of this book, 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, we've been slowly working our way through this book, and, and really I look back and I think I should have gone slower through some of these things. Um, so we, we, want to, we want to say what God has said. We want, we want to reiterate what God has said. He has spoken, and we need to listen. And that is important. And so we go slowly, sometimes word by word, phrase by phrase, but we, uh, we want to know what the Word of God says. So First Peter chapter 5, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for, the, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not yet as lorded, lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proved to be an example to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the fading, unfading crown of glory. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray for your grace um, as we unpack this passage to, to see what you have for us to, so that we can have a better understanding of what the church is to do and how the church is to act. Not being conformed to this world's understanding of the church or even this uh, Christian culture's understanding of the church, but being uh, uh, having our understanding conformed to the Word of God. Lord, we pray that you would bless our time. We recognize that that it is by your grace that, that we can even understand your word. And so I pray for understanding, pray for illumination of the Holy Spirit so that we can grasp these things. And then, Lord, may we be responsible to apply these things to our own heart and mind. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Sheep are the, are the most mentioned animal in Scripture. I just thought that was interesting. Sheep are the most mentioned, the most talked about animal in Scripture. And often they're compared to to people. We can understand that a little bit. Sheep cannot take care of themselves. They need someone to take care of them. They need attention. They need to be protected and provided for. They're a herd animal. And... uh, they, that means that they feel safer in numbers. They have to, they have to be together. <clears throat> they do not do well independent of the group. <clears throat> and we've seen some examples of that. <clears throat> if you just Google this whole idea, uh, there's a, a sheep, a famous sheep now that was uh, lost for, I think, five years. Um, Barak, I think, was the sheep's name. They named these, by the way. And uh, when they finally found this sheep, this was just five years later, he had uh, 75 pounds of wool on him. And this was in Australia. Sheep have to be sheared. 
Another one, Chris, another sheep that was lost, 78 pounds. I think that was the, the world record of, of wool on this sheep. And they can't live like that. That's a lot of weight that they're carrying around. And it was, they usually are near death by the time they get to that uh, time. They need shearing. So someone, some human has to come in and shear these sheep. Also, their skin secretes a, an oil that causes the fleece to to be sticky and it attracts the dirt and the, uh, the twigs and, and barbs and, and things. And so they have to be sheared pretty much every year where that just accumulates and it weighs them down. They also have to have provisions. They can overgraze a particular area and just completely run out of food. Sometimes they even uh, eat poisonous food. And so someone has to move them from place to place to make sure they're eating the right plants, the right things that's going to cause them to grow. And that's why you see a lot of pictures that the, the herd is moving. And he's moving from one pasture to the next pasture. They have to have food. That's the main thing. Food and, and even water can be dangerous for a sheep. They say that the water, if it's moving too quickly, they can, they're, they're skittish of it for one thing, but... They can lose their breath from from uh, the white water if they, they get in. And, and actually, they could be swept away um, if their fleece gets too wet. And they can drown. They need somebody to protect them from that. Also, they, they don't have any natural defenses. So they are essentially a defenseless animal and very easy pray for wild animals. Remember in the Old Testament, David, as a shepherd boy, he defended his flock uh, against a bear and a lion. He made those stories known. He was protecting his sheep. And, and sheep were just not, in general, just not the brightest of God's creatures. All right? And people are compared to sheep quite a bit. And, and like sheep need a shepherd churches, people need a shepherd. And they need to... Uh, there's, a, there's a comparison of this throughout Scripture, that sheep and people that I want you to be aware of. Christ was even compared to a lamb, right? The, the lamb of God that was slain. He was led, into, uh, led to the slaughter. In the New Testament, we see that he is the, the, the song, that worthy is the lamb, we see in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5. Israel was considered the, the sheep of God's pasture. Paul said when he was comparing uh, people like sheep, he said that all we like sheep have gone astray. And he's illustrating our sinful tendencies to go away from God. And that's a good illustration to point to, to sheep. Christ, when he was the passage that, that David read for us earlier, when Christ was reinstating Peter after Peter had denied him and walked away, is reinstating Peter, uh, Jesus said to him, Peter, feed my sheep. And those are important words. In Hebrews, uh, God is considered to be the great shepherd of the sheep. And, but specifically in Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 20, in the local body of believers are considered sheep they're considered a flock now, now that's in the spiritual sense that's a that's a figure of speech and it's comparison it's a comparison of sheep and and people and just like i said just like 
sheep need a shepherd. People need a shepherd. They have to have somebody to watch over them and to protect them. And the church needs the same thing. They need a spiritual shepherd. Now, that's the goal of discipleship, isn't it? That, that's what we're doing. We're in the business of, of making disciples. And the highest calling, the direction of a disciple is, is to be a shepherd of God's sheep. We're in the business of teaching and training men to be shepherds. And it, and it comes from within the church. And the New Testament is very clear that the responsibility of spiritual leadership falls upon men. And we have to train them. It's a constant cycle of training men and preparing them and getting them into a position so that they can shepherd. It starts with their own heart. Men, we, we need to understand this. We need to paint this picture. It starts with their own heart. We have to learn to, to shepherd ourselves. We have to guard that heart and discipline that heart. We were talking about this a little bit in Sunday school. It takes some discipline. And we have to learn to feed ourselves. And then that responsibility begins to grow. We take on a family. And we have other people, wives and kids, that, that we're responsible to spiritually bring them along. Now, this is spiritual nourishment or spiritual uh, shepherding, by the way. This is not just managing the finances of the house. It's not just administration of the house. But this is shepherding a sinful heart, a heart that needs nourishment from God's Word, growth needs to be protected from Satan's lies and Satan's influence, the influence of the world. It needs... It's a heart that needs to be led. It needs to be led by example. We have to set a tone. We have to to set a direction. And that's... A young man then shepherds himself, shepherds his family, and that demonstrates then that this young man is, is able then to shepherd the church when he's able to do that. And there's, that's the pattern that we see in Scripture. And we can tell then that he is ready to lead. He's ready to lead and be an elder in the church. Now, there's never a greater time that the flock needs a shepherd than in the time of persecution, right? When the Lord is putting persecution on the church or, or Satan is bearing down heavy upon the church, there has to be that spiritual leader to stand up and... The church needs a shepherd at that time. The local church does. And that's the context that we find ourselves here in 1 Peter chapter 5. The context is, for these church is uh, persecution. It's Nero's persecution of the church. And it lasts really for a couple of hundred years before things begin to change. <clears throat> the Roman world, they treated the Christians with suspect because they did not worship the same Roman gods that everybody else did. And so it was Peter that they had to include this little message to the elders. These churches in Asia Minor. For one thing, the churches needed to be shepherd through, shepherded through this time of persecution. But another thing is, the shepherds would have been the first target, if you will, of persecution. They would have been the first line of defense, if you will. They would have had the target on their back. And, and nobody wants that uh, to be a, the leader of the group that everybody hates, that everybody's suspicious over, or, or that persecution begins. It's going to begin with the leaders first. 
And the elders have to be the first to put their neck on the line for the church and for the sake of righteousness. So Peter includes it, this little section in this, in his letter about persecution and preparing the church for persecution. And his focus is upon elders, the shepherd of the, the flock, the elders. Now there's a few things that we need to understand about elders in the New Testament. First of all, and that I think we get it wrong today, many churches get it wrong today, there has to be a plurality of elders. That's what you see. That's the New Testament pattern. There's no lone wolf that, that a church only has one elder. That one man doesn't have all of the gifts, doesn't have all of the wisdom, uh, doesn't keep all of the continuity of the church uh, by himself. You always see a plurality of elders in the New Testament. If you do a study, even just a, a very surf, surface study, you'll find that it's a plurality of elders. It's always. It's a team of elders that lead the church. It's not Pastor Carl. It's not one pastor. And I think a lot of churches get this wrong. What you see in the New Testament is a team, a group of men that lead the church, that are spiritual elders in the church, that are spiritual shepherds. Another thing that we need to know is that, and I mentioned this earlier, that the church has to be producing elders. That's the, the responsibility is to, for, for me as a pastor, as a shepherd, to be bringing other young men along that can do this same thing, training them up and, and teaching them to shepherd a heart, a sinful heart. Another thing that we need to know about this passage and just see that that would help us understand this passage is that Peter is including this passage in a letter to the whole church. Now, you need to understand that. I think there's a point to be made here. He could have sent just a, a letter, a private letter, to the elders of the church and say, do this. But I think he wanted this to be read and to be heard by all of the church because I think there's an accountability here. Accountability for the elders, but also accountability for the church. This is the way things are to be. There is to be shepherding. And here's the principle. You see it on the screen there. The elders of the church must be the first line of defense. They have to be the ones to protect the church, even in times of persecution. Uh, Defend the church, uh, defense for the local church, and to continue, and this is the key, to continue shepherding, continue to shepherd the flock, even through persecution. Even through persecution. And he gives us four things here. Four things that are important for us to know. Uh, I could just enumerate them quickly. First is the support for elders or for the uh, shepherd. Then you have the role of the shepherd, the pitfalls of the shepherd, and then you have the reward for the shepherd. Now, we're probably only going to get through two of these. I want to move through slowly so that we can understand what Peter is saying here. We just want to look at the first one, first couple today. The first one is very simple. Elders need support. They are just men. They're not supermen. They're just men. Look at the first verse. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, now he's pointing back. Just notice verse 19. He says, therefore, uh, those 
also who suffer according to the will of God should entrust their soul to a faithful creator in doing so, in doing what is right. So if you're going to suffer for, for Christ in doing what is right, you need to be in the mindset of, of entrusting yourself to God. I'm going to trust God in this situation. Now, the implication then in verse 1 is that these men are placed there by God to help you. That's the point. That God has prepared men to shepherd the shepherd his flock during this time. So, he says, and here's the exhortation. Therefore, I, verse 1, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. There's a whole lot in there. Let me uh, break it down for us a, a little bit. He says, I exhort you. Exhort the elders. The word exhort there is not really a a harsh term. It it may sound a little harsh. It's not really even a negative term. It just means to to come alongside. Um, I have sons and and a daughter. But every once in a while, I have to just come alongside and say, Hey, you know, what about this? And what about that? And, And the idea is support. The idea is encouragement. Making sure they're seeing the same thing that you're seeing and, and, and pushing them toward the right thing to do. And that's what Peter's doing here. He's encouraging. He's encouraging these elders. And he does so this way. He, he just points out that he's just an elder too. This is from one elder to another. I'm just coming alongside you, putting my arm around you, from one elder to the other. And he says, as a fellow elder. Now, it's public knowledge that, Christ, that uh, Peter was, a, uh, was a, a, an elder. In fact, he was one of the first ones to put his life on the line, right? He was on death row for a few days. They thought he was going to be killed, and the Lord rescued him out of that jail in Acts chapter 12. It's an amazing story. You need to to read that. But also it's public knowledge that Peter failed. He didn't do such a good job when it came down to it. In fact, fact, he denied Christ and then he failed. But also it's public knowledge that when he denied Christ, that he repented and and he wept bitterly. And it's, it's public, again, public knowledge. You see it in Scripture. We know it today. Public knowledge. And we also know that Christ reinstated him into ministry. And that's the passage that was read. Peter, do you love me? Yes. What did he say to do? Feed my sheep. Peter, don't walk away. You cannot go back to your old life of fishing. It's not going to work. He says, feed my sheep. And to make sure Peter got it, he told him three times, Peter, focus here. Don't go back to that old lifestyle. You feed my sheep. And so Peter He's a fellow elder and he's speaking from experience. But also, notice, he was his eyewitness to, to Christ's suffering. And that's important because Peter, he saw the way Christ suffered. You could say, well, you make a case. Peter, you failed, so you don't, you're not a good example. Well, Peter says, look, I saw Christ. I saw the perfect leader suffering for the sake of righteousness. He saw, I saw it firsthand. I saw him. And so Peter is qualified how to successfully suffer for the sake of righteousness without backing down, right? And then he also says I, he's qualified because he's just a, he's a partaker of the future glory, this glory that's going to be revealed to us. 
And in that, Peter is, you don't see Peter as a pope, do you? You don't see Peter as some superior uh, attitude of Peter. He's, just a, he's going to receive the same reward that a, all the other elders receive. Okay? So this is just Peter. He's qualified. He's coming alongside. And he's encouraging these men, supporting these men. Now, why does he have to do that? Because he knows the tendency is to back away. I don't want to put my neck on the line. I'm not going to put myself out there as a leader of the church. I'm not going to be the shepherd of this uh, this assembly. And Peter is coming alongside and saying, you're in good company here. And the, and the apostles, the twelve apostles, they set a good tone. And they sacrificed themselves as martyrs. All of them. All of them were martyred except except John. And he was exiled to the island of Patmos. Just a bunch of rocks to sit on the rest of his life. And, and two years later, after Peter wrote this, he, 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 was, he was killed. And that was in a famous way as well. John, uh, Paul was killed. James was one of the first martyrs. They were all martyred for the sake of, of Christ. And he says, you're, you're among good company here to step out, put yourself out there, and to shepherd God's sheep, and, and to be willing to, to die if necessary. And he's wanting to encourage him. Encourage them. Because he understands that these are just men. And it's easy for men to what? Get discouraged. It's easy for elders to get discouraged. They want to walk away, even in, not, even in times when it's not being, being persecuted. It's easy to just walk away. That's the easy thing to do. Now, here's the exhortation for us as far as application. We need to encourage our elders. We do. It's a pattern that really you see throughout the New Testament. Especially when times get tough, it, it, times get hard, it's easy for them to walk away. We need to come alongside and encourage the elders and say, look, keep going. You're doing a good job. Keep moving forward. Now let me show you some of these things. Uh, uh, there's a, a list of verses on the screen there. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I want you to see these principles here. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13, or sorry, verse 12, it says this. Paul is speaking here. He says, but you request, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord. That's the shepherding role that they are to play. And give instructions. So they shepherd you, they are in charge over you, and they give you instruction. That's their primary role, to come alongside, to teach you the Word, to give instruction. That's what feeds you. He goes on to say, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Esteem them very highly. Man, that's important. And I have to evaluate as, a, as a, a shepherd of this flock, how valuable are our, shep, uh, our shepherds, our elders? Do we really appreciate them? Look at another passage. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. The elders, of, the elders who rule well among you are to be considered worthy of double honor. Now, we, we honor people... But, but they, they are to receive double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the Scriptures say, 
You should not muzzle the ox while it is treading, and the labor is worthy of its hire or wages. He says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Don't listen to the gossip of other people about your elders. You esteem them. You elevate them. Double honor, he says. Don't receive gossip. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Another wonderful passage. Remember those who have who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. They're a model for you. You're to listen to them. They're to be an example to you. Verse 17 is very similar. He says, obey your leaders and submit to those, to submit to them, for they keep watch over your soul as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Don't make their job hard. Comply. Listen to them. Obey them. Now, boy, I, I have to ask, you know, do, we, do we do that? At Daniel's Bible Church, do we appreciate our elders? How, how do we show that appreciation? Um, now, a humble elder is not going to say, hey, look at me. He's not going to say, hey, look, I, I need some appreciation. That's not going to happen. In fact, that's really just the opposite of their character. Let me give you some, just, just to keep this going a little bit, let me just show you um, some things that R.C. Sproul, he says, here's three characteristics of an elder. This is what an elder must be. He says, first of all, they have to, to rule well, or uh, they have to have a well-ordered life. And we see this in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1, we see the qualifications of an elder. And there, there has to be a, there's a, a checklist there. And, and you have to take that checklist and you say, yeah, do they match up? And yeah, they match up here. And so it's a checklist. And we go through that checklist before we ordain any elder. Another thing that R.C. Sproul says is, is there has to be stable Christian character. There has to be evidence that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God has worked in this person's life to the point that they're well-established and they have a good reputation even in the community that people can say, yeah, he's, he's an elder. God has worked in that man's life. You can see it. You can tell. <clears throat> Another qualification that R.C. mentions is just maturity. Maturity. Uh, conviction. Not just a, being in a position for convenience, but a, being in a position for convictions. He's willing to die for what he believes. That's the idea. He's willing to face danger. He's willing to fight off the, sh- the, the, the bears and the lions, Satan, that would attack his church. Now, let's just apply this. I think as a church, I, I think we need to challenge our men. Men, aspire to be an elder. Aspire to be an elder. It's a high, lofty calling. And I would never in a million years think that I would be an elder of a church. It's a high, lofty calling, but it's also a humble calling. It's very humbling. Because you're, you're called to do impossible tasks. But young men, young men in our church, you need to have 
the image of what a real man is like. What a real man is like. And it's not what the movie portrays. It's, it's not this superman that you'd see in, in the movies that is not real. That's a fantasy world. Paul didn't, or Peter didn't even mention, look at the Roman soldiers here. They're real men. Sometimes we point to the man, the Navy SEAL. That's a real man. The Green Beret, the Army, the Ranger, the, the Sniper. Man, now that's a real guy, right? A Sniper. Or, or maybe we'd point to the workmen, those who look so cool when they come out of the mines and they've got all dirt on them. Uh, to me, that's cool. I mean, that, that's cool. That's a, the measure of a man right there. We, we look at, at, uh, at the John Henry statue down, down the road here, not, not too far from us. You say, that's a real man. Peter, Peter is saying, no, the, the real man, the ones that we appreciate is the ones that God appreciates. And those are the ones that we need to elevate. Those are the ones that we need to support. God is going to, God is going to reward them. And we need to change our image of a real man. It's not the NFL player. Man, those guys are cool, right? I mean, to me, they're the coolest. NFL, those tall basketball players. Those are cool. But we have, to, we have to change our image here. It, it seems like the world has a... In fact, what we have to do as a church, we have to cut against the grain of the world's understanding. We, we have to elevate these men, these men that, that are real men. Real men. In Daniel's Bible Church, we honor our elders. We esteem those. We come alongside and support those. And here's what they do. These are those who who take responsibility seriously, who are willing to sacrifice their time. They, they may work another job, but they, they sacrifice their time to, to study the Word, to, to show that they are approved unto God, to study, like Paul told Timothy. And real men, they, they work hard at grappling with the text of Scripture and, and going through uh, the toughness of a language and cultural barriers of the Old Testament times and a certain mindset of the scriptures, uh, scriptural times. And they, they have to search through these things to find truth and principles. And they search these things out. And then they have to assess those things. Like they was saying, they have to know how to apply them in this particular age. And that is not easy. It's not easy. And they sweat and they toil for the truth. Because they know what they discover here has to become then convictions on their own mind and their own life that they're willing to die for and they're willing to live for. They're willing to to take a church contrary to the culture of this world and they're asking the church to follow them, follow upstream when, when it's not easy to do. They struggle over the issues of the day. What do we think about the whole racism thing? What do we think about, just name a topic, politics of today. You know, we're so divided as a country and it's easy to be divided. Somebody, though, has to stop, look at truth of Scripture, pull it out of Scripture, be able to communicate that and say, here's what we're going to do. Here's the way we look at this. This is what Scripture says, thus saith the Lord. 
and be willing to lay down their life to be able to, to do that. Willing sometimes to die. And the thing is, is they're not, they're not dying for physical land. <laughs> this is what makes it hard. They're not putting their life on the line for stuff they can see. But it's a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual territory that they have that, that, they're, that they're trying to defend. And, and sometimes faith can wane. Because this is a kingdom that we only see by the eye of faith. And we see Satan's hand bearing down. We see these things and we, we say, oh no, we've got to rise up. We've got to do something. And nobody else sees it though sometimes. And an elder has to come along and preach the word. And I believe as, as people of God, we have to come alongside our elders and we have to appreciate them. Because when we do that, when we elevate them, when we appreciate them, we're telling our kids, you know, kids, no matter what your occupation, young man, no matter what you, you do, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a, a minor or whatever you do, the highest thing that you can do is shepherd other people, shepherd your family, shepherd the flock among you. It's the highest thing. We, we want to be able to do that. We may never hold the office, but we need to be shepherding. And as a church, we need to hold our men and train our men for that. You know, I've got young men in my home. They're training for electrician or training for engineering or science or whatever. But we need to be training our young men to be shepherds. To shepherd their own heart when it's not popular. The heart today, I just let it go. You, you follow your heart. And we're saying, no, you shepherd that heart. You guard that heart. You have to protect that. You have to feed yourself. You have, to, you have to sift through the Word of God and understand it for yourself and feed yourself. You have to protect yourself. You have to be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. You know, I think we're, we're real careful that our, our men, our young people don't get involved in porn. But you know what? Something much more dangerous, something more important is false teaching. Teaching that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And we have to train our young men to step in and say, no, that's not right. We have to, we have to guard ourselves. And then they have to do that with their family and learn to shepherd a heart that doesn't want to be shepherded. A sinful heart. And, and children that, that don't want the discipline. And they get the, they, they cut their teeth, if you will, on that, that small little family, and then they branch out, and then they become a shepherd of a, a church, and the church needs to come alongside and say, We appreciate you, men. We appreciate you, your willingness to put your life on the line. No, to study out truth. And for that truth then to become conviction of your own heart. To the point that you're willing to die for it. If the time, the time would come. We appreciate our elders. That's just the first point. Sorry. I didn't get to the second point. But folks, this is rich passage. This is a wonderful passage. And I think we need to go slow. So that we can understand this. Now. Let's, let's think about the starting point though. Because I, I want to mention this. <clears throat> To be a shepherd, you have to be a Christian. We have enough 
shepherds out there that are probably not even Christian in the first place. They just like the leadership role, right? Now, I don't believe that's the case at Daniel's Bible Church. No, the first, start, the first step is knowing in your own heart how sinful you are. And that step, that step of, of rejecting that sinfulness and, and turning your back on that sinfulness and in step of faith turning toward Christ and saying, I will follow Christ. He is the great shepherd. He is the one that I'm going to follow. That's the first place to start. Men, that's the first place to start. We have to give our lives over to Christ. We have to be real Christians. In a world where it's, it's full of phony Christians, we have to stand up and say, no, I will be a real Christian. Repenting of our sin. Turning to God in faith. Living a life of faith before the Lord. And just following His will. Just growing and learning. Well, there's much more that needs to be said, but we'll look at those next week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your, your word and how precious it is. Lord, help us as a church to conform to your word. But even beyond that, Lord, help us to transform our minds to think in line with your word. So that, so that we just naturally say, yes, yes, that's the, that's the real man. Someone that's willing to take on the responsibility of shepherding others. After shepherding his own heart, be able to shepherd others. Lord, may we appreciate them and follow the path of the New Testament church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.